and welcome to MASH 4077 Podcast. This is a small tribute to the wonderful actor David Ogden Styers. He was born October 31st, 1942 in Illinois. He was raised in Oregon. He attended the University of Oregon before enrolling in the Gilead School in New York City from where he graduated in 1972. He was, of course, as we know him, Charles Emerson Winchester III. We'll come more to that in a bit. But he appeared in many, many other things, although people always associate him with MASH. He was, of course, in Star Trek The Next Generation, North and South, Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, Touched by an Angel, Wings, Alf and Fraser, along with a regular role in the first season of Two Guys, A Girl and a Pizza. His other major work was, of course, as a voice actor, and he appeared in eight of Disney's films, including Beauty and the Beast, playing Cogsworth, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and Lilo and Stitch. Not many people know, though, that he was also an associate conductor for the Newport Sympathy Orchestra and the Ernest Bloch Music Festival. He also guest-conducted over 70 orchestras around the world, including the Oregon Mozart Players, the Vancouver Symphony, the Virginia Symphony, the Oregon Chamber Players, and the Yokoena, sorry about that if I said it wrong, Chamber Orchestra, as well as orchestras in San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Toronto. Sadly, David died on March 3rd, 2018, at the age of 75, from complications related to bladder cancer. I'm just going to read a, a couple of things that I found online um, about David that was remembered by the uh, sort of the MASH cast. And I do apologise, I'm reading this um, straight from my phone. During the 1977-78 season, Richard Attenborough took residence on the 20th century flock slot to direct Magic, a twisted horror film starring Anthony Hopkins and Anne-Margaret. Many of the people working on the lot, including Attenborough, often frequented the commissionery for lunch. One day, Morgan, Farr, William Christopher, who played Father Mulcahy, Farrell and a crew member went to the commissionery and situated themselves in a booth for lunch. As it would turn out, Attenborough was across the room with some people also enjoying a meal. As we were finishing our meal, this line of waiters came up to us with a flourish. They had soft-served yoghurt at the time, a fancy new dessert in the commissary, brought to us and served in goblets. The waiters made a big deal out of it, setting it down in front of each of us, and they said, compliments of Sir Richard Attenborough. Mike Fowell recalls, we were blown away that Richard would know who we were, let alone treat us to this fabulous dessert. So we turned and waved graciously and said, thank you, Sir Richard, so kind of you. We had to call it out a little bit because he was across the room. Attenborough didn't even turn to acknowledge us, so we said it louder. Again, he ignored us. Then Harry stands up and yells, thank you, Dickie. Nothing. I was trying to figure out what was going on, and my eyes swept the room and I see over in another corner of the commissary, David laughing all to hell. And I thought, that son of a bitch. I said to the guys who were still standing, stop, stop, hold it, I think we've been had here. Farrell continues, Styles is over there having a spasm. He's having so much fun at our expense. And when the waiter comes over with the cheque, it includes the desserts on it. I figure we can't let David do this without some consequence. So I tell him to take the entire cheque to Styers. I watched as the waiter hands David the cheque. He looks at it, signs it with a flourish and walks out. I ran out after him and caught him in the street and said, David, I didn't really mean for you to have to pay for our meals. I just wanted to get back at you in some way for humiliating us, you son of a bitch. And David says, oh, it's all right, Mike. I signed Gary Berghoff's name instead. I'm going to read the bio page from the wonderful uh, Complete Book of Mash by... Susie Coulter, 
It's on uh, page 197. You, of course, should own this book if you're a MASH fan. But I, I, I sat here for quite a while, a couple of weeks actually, trying to work out what to write about David Ogden Styers. He was my favourite character in MASH. Well, his, his character of Winchester was, and I, I really appreciated him as an actor and also as a, as a, a conductor. But the trouble is, is that he, he kept very much kept himself to himself. In fact, his private life was very much his private life, and he didn't even uh, really... He came out uh, as being homosexual very late in his life, which I think is a shame, but now modern, you know, in, in his day and age, uh, no-one backs an eyelid. It's just uh, a shame that he felt he couldn't have um, come out earlier on. Not that that makes up a line, but a difference um, to us, us MASH fans. But I, I sat there thinking, well, what, what can I say? Because you don't want to get the character of Winchester mixed, mixed up with David, because like exactly like Larry Limbaugh with Frank Burns, they were you know nowhere near the same. So I thought I would read uh, from this book, um, and this is what he has to say. Please do excuse me if I uh, trip up as I'm reading. I hope you'll find this little passage interesting. And uh, remember David Ogden Styers for the wonderful, uh, great man that he was. All along in my entire life, I've had a sense of a hand guiding me along. Mash fitted into my life really honourably. Every time I've turned around, someone has offered me a job, a plum roll, or something really good. Of the 20 years I've been an actor, I've only been out of work unwillingly for a total of six months, and then only full of brief stretches. I've not been an egotist, but I was good enough not to dishonour any project I worked on. I earned it through good work. When I first came to Los Angeles in television land, I despised it. For a young actor, not conversant with videotape, it was very shocking to walk into a factory atmosphere like that. You're being paid an inordinate amount of money to exercise a minimum of your abilities in material that will not touch, instruct, illuminate, uplift, or last. I wasn't prepared for the speed at which they shouted print. Things improved when I did a guest spot on Rhoda, and it was as warm as any theatre company I'd ever known. Before MASH, David Doyle and I were the original two male members of Charlie's Angels. I did the pilot, and I remember distinctively Mr Spelling, who was the executive producer, neither liking nor trusting me, and I gathered he was as happy to have me leave as I was to leave. I did three Mary Tyler Moore shows in the last year of the show, and the fellow who was executive producer of MASH, Bert Metcalf, saw the three episodes that I shot as the stuttering station manager, a balacuda of a man with a perfectly wonderful smile and a gutter attitude towards people. Bert's point of view was that that sort of behaviour on Mary was lovable, lovably unlovable, and he thought that I could really be a despicable person and a bastard to people who were loved and managed not to be so hateable myself. He didn't want to not see the character again. I started in year six on MASH. They were really good to me for like the first three weeks or so. And then one day I was standing in the operating room. I'd just finished something in a close-up and a piece of surgical gauze whizzed across my face. And I, Jesus, I thought, I'm so bad they're throwing things at me. I didn't realise that's the way they joked. Obviously I had worried that they were going to be so tight that there wouldn't be room for me. I had been very concerned about them absorbing me into their unit, the ensemble. To their reinforcement, the friendship with jokes was very nice. You worry that a show that's been very popular and very strong is going to take a dive suddenly because you've joined it. Mike Fowle went through that period when he came in after Wayne left. The same thing happened to me when I joined. It's a regular phenomenon. At the beginning of the season, people watch brand new shows so the ratings on a regular show can tremble, tremble a little. 
When new shows prove they're not as appetizing as what already are, ratings go back to their usual pattern. But the ratings can go in the toilet for five or six weeks at the start. And if you're new on a show, you put it on your shoulders. So actually, the only worries I had were essentially invented by me. And ignoring the fact that these people were all consummate pros, I wouldn't put you through any awfulness. It was easy. There was a lot of joking on the set. We saved up one morning a whole bunch of pancakes left over from the mess, and the minute Alan had finished talking, we landed about eight of those hard, cold things on him. Ah, it was wonderful. Do you know the story about my dressing room? I came back from Thanksgiving in year nine, and some of the actors had contacted the paint department, and as a joke, they painted my room orange and purple. When I walked in the next morning, not knowing this had been done, I turned on the light and got a retina burn. For two hours in front of the camera, I couldn't quite tell who I was focusing on, and I had the room repainted with Farrell's moustache. People find ways to grow closer to one another because of the danger of their work. It's very hard. You lay yourself on the line every time the camera rolls. That includes a kind of pressure that makes you rely on other people and makes you find strength in yourself to let other people rely on you. It is a wonderful weaving. You weave relationships with a fabric that is strong enough to withstand the psychological and emotional and time pressures of doing the show. That happened to us. Mash, at his best, dealt with such breadth and accuracy of observation about life, not just in war, but any kind of stress, that our feelings became more closely allied. Also, we were such different characters. None of us did something that any of the others did. We all covered completely different areas of the human network. None of us encroached on the other's turf, so that at once we were defined and allowed to draw close, because there was more trust. The bottom line of why the show succeeded so well was that it never talked down to anybody. We were never limited in a subject matter by the network or studio. We did treat people like dots. Winchester is all around us. I don't think he had to do with family background or old money or education. He was trying to protect the way he perceived himself as being weak by choosing slightly grand things to achieve. I'm not suggesting that Winchester is two-dimensional. I'm saying that underneath he was not insecure or frightened, but always had the sense he wasn't quite good enough to be a member of the family he was attached to, even though there was a great deal of social assurance to him. And I suppose snobbery I found him at his best to be once valuable and ridiculous and finally likeable. It just cost you a little more to find him, to get through the bullshit he spreads in your way, he disguises a perpetual security and assurance that he hated it. And when people got to him, he spent as much time covering his tracks as he did keeping his personal persona intact. The show was secure enough to allow him to alter subtly in the end. It seems to me that he finally began to live where he was instead of living 12,000 miles away. The relationships he found himself depended on were more real. And at the end, this allowed him to be more original. Mash was not an unfunny show by any means, but the reason it's funny is that it comes out of characters, people who are thoroughly defined as human beings. They react to an essentially stupid environment, one filled with an awful lot of blood, and the pain of having to save people as other people are working to blow off the face of this earth. It makes you much stronger inside yourself. You use your own human resources better, and you tend not to compromise, but you tend to accept other forms of behaviour, from people as their way of staying sane. And I think the pain is visible under the humour. We never made a joke at the expense of human pride or sensitivity. David Ogden Styers.
There was a, a small mention that Loretta Sweet had said about how, um, although they all got on incredibly well on MASH, that, uh, and they'd swapped numbers, David was very private in handing his telephone number out, and it almost became a, uh, a regular joke that he would never hand his number out. I can't find the exact story at the moment online, but it's easy enough to find, I guess. Well, I can find it, <laughs> maybe you can. But basically it came down to about that. The, the scene in which, at the end of MASH, where Winchester gives uh, Margaret the book. And you see uh, Loretta Sweet open the book and see something, and she smiles, and the look is wonderful. What that actually is was David Ogden Starr's personal telephone number, and I think that's a lovely little story, and one to end this little tribute to him. The fact that you can see the warmth and the uh, appreciation on Loretta's face right at the end. It's a sad thing when we, we talk about a television show that is, you know, quite old because, unfortunately, the actors that you watch and you get used to get older and ultimately pass away, and we're slowly losing quite a lot of the MASH cast and David being the most recent. I hope you all remember David for the wonderful actor that he was and continue enjoying his performances on television and maybe via music. Bye-bye. Thank you, Meds, for doing that fantastic tribute to David Ogden Steers. He definitely will be missed. I was debating on adding some audio clips because, as we know, there are so many amazing Winchester moments on the series. But I came across this one scene. Actually, it's, it's the B story of an episode that we haven't covered yet. It's from Season 11, Episode 9, called Run for the Money. But this storyline really encompasses who Winchester truly is. And it actually brought me to tears when I was watching it. And I thought this would be the perfect way to end this fantastic tribute to an amazing actor who gave us one of the most amazing characters on a TV series, which is truly a one-of-a-kind TV series. So I think I'm going to end this tribute with this B-plot storyline from this episode. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. And... Please continue to enjoy David Ogden Steer's work. We got a lot more of MASH to come with the amazing Winchester. So until next time, guys, we'll be seeing you. Dr. Major Winchester, sir. Uh, you don't have to suck up to me. I didn't that, and I don't like you anyway. Thank you, sir. Tape recorder material for you. Must be some of that long hair music. Could you play it and soothe the savage beasts? Sorry to disappoint you, Klinger. This is another tape-recorded letter from my sister Honoria. At last, the words of an intelligent person. Bye. And how about you, Palmer? You nice and comfy? Yeah, 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 yes, sir. <laughs> oh, that's good. Because I certainly wouldn't want it bothering you that you almost cost three men their lives. But, 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 I, I had no way of knowing that bed, 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 bed. Bedrock was unstable. Hell, I should have known better than to give any kind of responsibility to a dummy. I'm so, 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 so sorry, sir. Well, a fat lot of good that did it, it does. <laughs> Excuse me, Captain Sweeney. Uh, may I talk to you for just a moment, please? Sure, Major. What is it? Right this way, please. Okay. <sighs> Captain Sweeney. If you say one more unkind word to Private Palmer, I will personally write a report detailing your inhumanity, and I will have it placed in your 201 file where it will follow you for the rest of your career. But, Major, that is that clear? Yes, sir. Thank you. Good evening, Private. How are you feeling? Okay. 
Well, everything here looks very good. Great. Is there, um, anything you need? Let's say I'm off duty in about an hour. If you'd like, I'll stop back. We'll play a little uh, gin rummy. Believe me, I'm not nearly as good as I think I am. Uh, I, I'm f-f-f-fine. Could you p please leave, leave me alone? Sure. Here we are, Private. I don't see any X-ray machines. Oh. Well, I must confess, that the x-ray story was a ruse. I d d d d don't understand. I just thought it uh, would be better if this conversation took place out of earshot of your sniggering comrades. I notice you're a devotee of uh, comic books. So? So? Nothing. I'm all for losing oneself in the pure adventuresome fun of a first-rate Captain Marvel. You read Captain Marvel? Ever since he was a non-com. <laughs> of course, there are other sorts of literature which one can enjoy. Have you ever read the classics? No, I'm uh, too down for that stuff. Ah, quite the contrary. I have read your record. You have an IQ that is well above average. I, I can't, 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 can't even talk. Palmer, it so happens that there is no correlation between intelligence and stuttering. As a matter of fact, some of the world's brightest people have been stuttering. Sir, name one. I'll name you several. Demosthenes, Thomas Jefferson. King George VI, Winston Churchill. Even if I were smart, n n no one w would know it, because I c c can't say anything. Palmer. Walt, the point is that you know it. You can aspire to a world that offers you a lot more than comic books. I want you to have this. It's Moby Dick. That is a wonderful adventure. I know. I, I read the c classic comic book. <laughs> uh, somehow, I suspect that this version will cover aspects that the other one uh, didn't. <laughs> This is real leather. I can't take this. Please. I want you to have it. That is worthy of your intelligence. Thanks, <laughs> Major. How come you're d d d doing all this for me? I think you should get some rest uh, now. Brother Charles, it was wonderful to receive your latest tape. I have so much to tell you. Last night was the beginning of the symphony season. The guest artist was Pia Tagorsky.